0: Here at Docs at O'Bloom, we're excited about making disciples who impact the city and nations. We hope you enjoy today's message. Do you know there are about 2,500 scriptures in the Bible on the topic of money and possessions? Out of the 39 parables that Jesus told, 11 of them dealt with the topic of money or possessions. Someone once made an interesting calculation saying out of every seven verses that Jesus would have spoken, uh, one out of every seven verses is on the topic of money. Now, Jesus spoke about money more than any other topic uh, in the New Testament. You see, this is both true and also false at the same time. Although Jesus spoke about money more than any other topic, do you know that Jesus never asked for any money? Why do you think that is? You see, I believe the reason is because Jesus, although he spoke about money, he never really spoke about money. He was only using the topic of money as a a metaphor or as a means to an end to speak about something far greater. You see, Jesus is more concerned with your heart than what he is concerned with your wallet. God does not need and is not interested in your wallet He's interested in you, in all of you. That's what God wants. Today, we're kicking off a new sermon series called I'm In. Now, the title of today's uh, sermon is I'm All In. Now, the question that we're going to be discussing or asking ourselves in this sermon today is, If or is God after my wallet or is he after my heart? Now, the main point that I want to leave with you today, and we're going to be looking at a number of scriptures or referring to a number of stories that Jesus told in the Bible or things that happened, uh, or conversations that Jesus had with various people. And uh, the main point I want you to get today is that whenever Jesus spoke about money, he never really spoke about money. He was always after something else, after something bigger, and it's after you. He wants you and he wants all of you. Let's start by reading Mark chapter 12, verses 41 to 44. Now, this is a well-known passage of scripture, um, and I'm pretty sure you've heard this before. As Jesus sat near the temple treasury, he watched the people as they dropped in their money. Many rich people or men dropped in a lot of money. Then a poor widow came along and dropped in two little copper coins worth about a penny. He called his disciples together and said to them, I tell you that this poor widow put in more in the offering box than all the others. For the others put in what they had to spare, put in what they had to spare of their riches. Or of their riches. But she, oh sorry, can we just just make a mark there? And then I'm just going to go from... um, uh i'm just gonna say mark i'm actually just gonna start reading okay yeah but you made a mark right so jd will see it yeah okay uh maybe just as i start speaking or right now just make another mark yeah good as jesus sat near the temple treasury he watched the people as they dropped in their money many rich men dropped in a lot of money then a poor widow came along and dropped in two little copper coins worth about a penny He called his disciples together and said to them, I tell you that this poor widow put more in the offering box than all the others. For the others put in what they had to spare of their riches. But she, poor as she is, put in all she had. She gave all she had to live on. Now let me ask you this question. When Jesus was speaking to his disciples here, And seeing what's happening here. And then this story also being retold to us in the Bible. Do you think that the point of this story is for raising the temple tax? Do you think Jesus is trying to raise the amount of money being put in the offering box at the temple? No. Jesus is celebrating the fact that this lady is all in on God. He is celebrating this lady's devotion to God. He's celebrating her heart. And he's using this to teach his disciples. There are many other examples uh, like this. Think about the rich young man, the rich young ruler that comes to Jesus and uh, asks Jesus, what should I do to be saved? And then Jesus starts asking him about the law. And he says, I've been keeping the law of Moses. And then finally Jesus tells him, go and sell all that you have and come follow me. Come follow me. Now, the point of that story is not necessarily that as a Christian, you're not allowed to have any money, that all of us should go sell everything in order for us to follow Jesus. But he was trying to explain to this man, it's not about a matter of following the law. I want to know if you are in. I want to know if you are all in on me, on Jesus. Are you willing to leave everything behind and come follow me? Jesus wants to know, are you in? Are you all in? He wants our heart, not our wallet. The story of Zacchaeus is another famous story about this this rich man. He's a tax collector and he was cheating his own people. And there comes a day when he meets Jesus and he has a change of heart. Uh, Jesus says at the end of that story, he says, salvation has come to this house. And this is just after Zacchaeus actually says that he he gives away half of what he owns and also he repays everyone that he has cheated with great interest. Now, the point of that story is not that as Christians we should give away half of what we own. The point of that story is about Jesus celebrating the fact that this man had a change of heart and we could see the fruit in the way that he stewarded his finances afterwards. The change in heart led to a change in his wallet. But Jesus is celebrating the heart. That's what Jesus is about. You see, the story of Zacchaeus is one that at the end, he said, I'm in. I'm all in on Jesus. I'm willing to leave everything behind and follow Jesus. Then there's a the story of the woman with the alabaster jar. A woman... That brings this perfume, this jar of perfume that's extremely expensive and she I think it was worth something like a year's wages, a year's salary. She breaks open this perfume and she anoints Jesus. Now Judas says something that sounds very noble. He says, now, well we could have sold this perfume. What she has done is wrong because we could have sold this perfume and we could have given the money to the poor. And then Jesus says, well, the poor you'll always have with you. What she has done is a beautiful thing. He embraces what she has done. Now, is Jesus saying that, you know, stewarding our finances in a wise way and and looking after the poor is is not important? Is Jesus saying that he doesn't care about the poor? No, not at all. But he was celebrating the fact that this lady was in. She was all in on Jesus. Jesus is more concerned with your heart, not so much with your wallet. In Matthew 13 verses 44 and 45, Jesus explains the kingdom. And he says it in the following way. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pulls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. You see, the kingdom of heaven is one where we let go of our old lives and we take hold of the new life in Jesus. We recognize that Jesus is worth so much more. He's so much more valuable and we decide to go in on Him. We decide to go all in on Jesus. That's what God is after. He's not after our wallets. He's after you. He's after all of you. You see, God does not need your wallet. He wants your heart. And when he speaks about your wallet in the Bible, in the Old Testament, New Testament, it's usually because he wants to get to your heart. You see, the mistake that we can make is also to say that these two are not connected. Uh, and it would be a mistake to say that your wallet and your heart is not connected to one another. And we're going to get more into that next week. But the f- fact of the matter is that I cannot say that my heart belongs to Jesus or my heart belongs to God but he doesn't have my wallet. If he doesn't have my wallet, he doesn't have my heart. Um, Jesus says something to this effect in Matthew 6, verse 24, when he says, No one can serve two masters, for either you will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now, this is fascinating for me, the fact that Jesus does not say, you cannot serve God and the devil, right? He says you cannot serve God and money. It's not because God is threatened by money. What this scripture is about is about lordship over your heart. God wants to be your God and he wants you to serve him. He wants to see your devotion to him in all the areas of your life. Someone once said that if, God, if, if, if Jesus is not Lord of all, he is not Lord at all. We can't say that he has my heart if he doesn't have my wallet. Now, there's a scripture or passage in the Old Testament where the Israelites were actually doing okay when it comes to the wallets. The way that they were bringing offerings to God, there was nothing wrong in that. They were doing that. They were getting full marks for that. But still, God had a problem with them because, you see, God is not so much interested in the offerings that they were bringing. He was interested in their hearts. He was interested in the fact that they were His people and He was their God. I'm going to read it with you from Psalm 50, verses 7 7 to 15. And so it's God speaking to His people and He says, "Oh, my people, listen as I speak, here are my charges against you. So He's He's laying a charge against them. oh Israel, I am God, your God. That's what God's trying to tell them. Listen, what I want is not your offerings. What I want is to be your God. I don't want your wallet. I don't want your offerings. I want you. I want all of you. God has got a jealous love for us. Just in the same way that, that uh, it is not a evil thing for me to have a jealous love for my wife. That, that, that I want us to be exclusive with one another. In the same way, God wants to be exclusive with us. Verse 8 says the following. I have no complaint about your sacrifices or the burnt offerings you constantly offer. So he's saying, that's not the problem. You know, you bring the offerings, that's great, but I'm after something different. And then God explains to them, I don't need your offerings. But I I do not need the bulls from your barns or the goats from your pens. For all the animals of the forest are mine. And I own the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird on the mountains and all the animals of the field are mine. I mean, do you seriously think that God needs your money? (laughs) He's telling the Israelites, do you seriously think that I need your offerings? The cattle on a thousand hills are mine. And then, I don't know if you knew this, but God can be sarcastic. Verse 12, God is... And verse 13, God is sarcastic with the Israelites when he says, If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for all the world is mine and everything in it. Verse 13, listen to this. Do I eat the meat of bulls? Do I drink the blood of goats? So he's saying, do you seriously think that I need your offering? I don't drink the blood and I don't eat, you know, the meat of the bulls. In the same way, God does not need you to fund his shopping spree he doesn't need our finances or anything our offerings um, at all and then he goes on verse 14 he says the following make thankfulness your sacrifice to God he's saying what I want is your the attitude of your heart I want you to be thankful it's not about what you bring it's about the thankfulness it's the same about way about that that poor widow that was giving what she had because she was thankful toward God not actually just giving out of her abundance. Verse fifteen, then goes, or verse 14 goes on to say, and keep the vows you made to the most high. So God is saying, honor me as your God. Keep your vows to me. That's what I want. It's not your burnt offerings. I want you to honor me as your God. Then verse 15, then call on me when you are in trouble and I will rescue you and you will, be, and you will give me glory. And so God is saying, trust me. I want you to depend on me. In the same way, God is calling us not to depend on our finances. We are called to be depending on God. God says, call on me so that I can provide for you and so that you can give me glory. You see, this Psalm is actually telling us that God wants our dependence. God wants to be our God. He doesn't need our offerings. He wants us. He doesn't need your offering. He wants you. So just speaking about this idea of offering, I think even today, in modern day, in our churches, we might still have this offering mentality where, you know, we we think it's about the offering, but it's actually about something much greater. It's about our hearts, about giving ourselves to God. Um, And so we sometimes have a offering mentality in church. Or better yet, I'd like to call this a tax mentality in church. And so I want to give you quickly the difference between a tax mentality. And a tithing mentality. There's a difference between having a tax mentality when it comes to your finances and a tithe mentality when it comes to your finances. So there are about four differences, I reckon. So the first one is a tax mentality or offering mentality says that I owe the government or I owe God my money. So the reason that you may be tithe or offer in church, something like that, is because you believe that you owe God something. And some, sometimes we, this comes from a very noble place saying, like, he forgave me, therefore now I owe him. You know what the gospel says? The gospel says, and this is a tithe mentality, is you don't owe God anything. You don't owe him anything. Your debt has been paid by Jesus. Because of the finished work of Jesus on the cross and in his resurrection, there is no more guilt for you. If you give out of a place of guilt, that is a tax mentality, not a tithe mentality. No, no. If you understand the gospel, you don't give out of a place of guilt. It comes from a different place. You don't owe God anything. The second one is this. A tax mentality says, if I give, I will receive goods and services. So the way that, you know, the government's supposed to be working and not always, you know, working, but the concept is this, is that we pay taxes so that there can be infrastructure, roads and railways, electricity, all of those things. So there is a payment that we make for goods and services that we receive. You see, sometimes we take that into Christianity, We come to God, we come into the church with a tax mentality where we think if I make my contribution, if I bring my offerings or my tithes to God, then He will give me blessings and favor. You see, so you sort of pay to get something for goods and services, to get something in exchange. You know what the gospel explains? You know what a tithe mentality is? It actually says, I don't give to get, I get to give. You see, if you are in Jesus, if you are in Christ, you cannot be favored more. You cannot be more blessed than what you are if you are in Christ. If you are in Christ, you are richly blessed and you are highly favored. There's, there's no you know, little offering or tithe that you can give to God that will top up your, your, the favor over your life or the blessing over your life. It has been done. It has been finished in the work of Jesus. It is a completed work. You cannot add to the gospel. You cannot add to Jesus with your little offerings or tithes. The third difference between a tax mentality and a tithe mentality is this a tax mentality says, the government needs my money to make the country work. In other words, God needs my money to make his kingdom work. God needs my money in order to do His work on earth. Can I just tell you, friend, God does not need your money. Besides, I mean, I I get to speak to so many students and I love telling them, I'm sorry to break this to you, but your 50 rand tithe a month, it's not going to change the world. That's not the reason you should be tithing. It's not because God needs your money to make His country or His kingdom work. God owns the cattle of a thousand hills. He doesn't need our money. He wants our hearts. That is why I give, is to remind my own heart of whose I am, who I belong to. God does not need our money. He is not in need of anything. The fourth one is the tax tax mentality says that the tax belongs to the government and the rest is mine. So the way that we take that into church is this way, is that the 10% or the tithe that belongs to God, but the other 90%, that is mine to do whatever I want with, right? No, no, a tithe mentality says the following. It's the 10% that I give, whatever percentage you give, right? There's no rule in the New Testament that it has to be a 10%. It can be more, whatever you feel comfortable with. But it's that 10% that you give is only a reminder for yourself to remind you that everything is God's. The 10% is a reminder that the 100% belongs to God. To God, It's not a 90%, 10% deal that we are making with God. No, no, no. We remind ourselves that we are God's and everything that we have belongs to Him. You see, just as Jesus used money as a topic to teach our hearts, in the same way we give, and I know this is the, way, the reason why myself and my wife, we tithe to remind our own hearts, to teach our own hearts to worship and to honor God. God. I want to end off with one more passage of Scripture that that just captures this sermon, that, that speaks about this idea that Jesus spoke about money, but he actually never spoke about money. He wasn't really speaking about money. He was speaking about something much greater. And it comes from Mark chapter 12, verses 15 to 17. And this is probably my favorite passage of Scripture on the topic of money in the Bible. And it goes as following. And it's about the Pharisees that come to Jesus trying to trick him and they, they, give him, uh, they, they ask him this question about taxes, paying your taxes to Caesar and saying, Jesus, you know, you've been saying a lot of things. Uh, what do you say about paying taxes to Caesar? Because Jesus was announcing this new kingdom. So they expected him to say, no, don't pay your taxes to Caesar. But knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, why put me to the test? Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. And so it's this coin that Jesus is asking for. Bring me a coin, your money. Bring it to me. Um, And he looked at it. And they brought one and he said to them, whose likeness and inscription is this? You see, just like today, the money back then had the inscription or the likeness of someone's face on it. It was the face of Caesar on the coin. Just like today uh, on a, a piece of note, uh, of money, uh, you will see the face of Mandela. Uh, Nelson Mandela, on the, on, uh, his face will be appearing on it. So in the same way, Caesar's face was on this piece of coin. And so he says, whose likeness and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. Jesus said to them, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. You see, the first time I read that scripture, I thought that Jesus was trying to say, it's fine, just pay your taxes to Caesar, but just make sure you give your offering to God also. You see, I thought he was speaking about money. He's saying, no, it's fine to pay your taxes, just make sure also you pay your tithes in church. But you know, that's not what Jesus was trying to say. I think Jesus was using his words carefully when he asked, whose likeness and inscription is on this piece of money? Because he was referring back to Genesis chapter 1. You see, Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 says the following. Then God says, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. Do you know that you were created in the image and in the likeness of God? So just like a piece of coin has the inscription of a leader on it, whether it be an old president or the Caesar in that time, in the same way, when I look at you, and when you look at me, the inscription, the likeness of God is imprinted. It is, it is inscribed on you. And so that is why when Jesus says, he's actually referring to that, His likeness and inscription is this. He says, render to Caesar what is Caesar's, but give to God what is God's. He's speaking about you. Give to God what belongs to God. And that is you. It is all of you. It's not your money that God is after doesn't care about that. He doesn't need that. He's after you and He's after all of you. I want to end off by just reminding you that God wants you and He wants all of you. And I want to invite you to go in on God, to go all in on God. If that's the first time for you or maybe just to anew, remind yourself that you belong to God. You belong to God because of creation. He made you but also because of redemption. He has redeemed you in Christ Jesus. And Because of that, all of, our, of who we are and all of what we have actually belongs to this God. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you that we know that you, we are yours. We know whose we are because you created us and you've also redeemed us. God, we want to give our hearts to you, God, because you deserve it. You deserve our hearts, God. You deserve all of who we are. You deserve all of me. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Make sure that you get connected to this family on mission by joining us at one of our Sunday services.